The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Promoting positivity and inclusivity. You're listening to unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I am Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Trust the Process. For many of us, when in early addiction recovery, we're not inclined to trust others or other people's ideas, of how things should be done. But once we make the commitment to clean and sober living, we have an opportunity to learn and trust a recovery process that has worked for many others. We get to decide if it will work for us. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on learning to trust the process of recovery on the way to a life that is happy, joyous, and free. Yes, we want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. Today, we're going to be talking about moving from that distrust into joy in living, and it's through the principle of trusting the recovery process. So when I ask myself, what was my experience of distrust? Like we're talking about the first thing that comes to mind is just, I mean, then this was uh, true from a very young age. I don't know when exactly, but, you know, grade school or prior to that, I I did not want other people helping me with anything, right? I wanted to do everything myself. Um, I can only speculate why that might've been, I suspect it was just, you know, kind of, in a way, emotionally safer and therefore easier to not get other folks involved in whatever it is I was doing, just to sort of leave me alone, I'll take care of it, go away, you know, quit yes. quit with whatever is, whatever is happening that I did not um, have very good skills in dealing with. I was, I, I basically just wanted to be left alone and I will figure it out myself. 
So doing everything for myself to, is is the first thing that comes to mind when I think about experience of distrust in my life. Now I'm still kind of wired that way, you know, it doesn't just go away with recovery, but it's remarkably different. I'm I'm not um leading nearly and uh as I would say an isolated life as I had been mm-hmm. for a long time. I'm much more inclined and skilled at um you know working with others on in all kinds of ways to get things done to share what's going on with me to listen to what's going on with others you know without trying to fix without judgment um it's an ongoing practice as as is everything yeah but yeah that idea that just leave me alone i'll take care of it myself was strong with me yeah, I had, I mean, I absolutely have, have and had that too. Um, I think some of us may be more or less wired that way. And I think it's also a response to adverse childhood, you know, experiences where we just learned that, um, you know, maybe other people couldn't be trusted or it was just easier if we took care of things ourselves. A, a lot of us have this in recovery. I know I remember, you know, I can remember hearing lots of people sharing about that sort of um you know, doing everything myself, uh, you know, I can take care of it. I think it's a common feature of many of us. Um, to me, it's also related to control. You know, I, if I do it myself, then I'm in control of it. If I allow other people to help me or suggest things, then I lose control. And I'm not a fan of that, you know. Um, and certainly, you know, I've relinquished a fair amount of that, but in early recovery, I definitely, um, wanted to, you know, I, not in early recovery, before recovery, I very much was wanting to be in control of life and making things happen the way I wanted them to. And that's what made me feel safe, you know, and not having a higher power, any kind of spiritual life. Um, I felt I had to make everything happen myself. There wasn't anything else working with me. I'm also an only child. So doing things on my own is just my nature, you know, pretty hard to change that. Um, And I was skeptical about a lot of the things I heard, you know, when we come into recovery, especially for, you know, getting off of drugs or alcohol or whatever, it's a lot of changes. It's a lot, a lot of changes in a really short period of time. So it's natural that we're skeptical of some of these things. And I think, uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a balance between trusting the process and trusting what people who have a lot of experience recommend. But I think a, a little bit of healthy skepticism is okay because, you know, nowhere in our literature does it say you come in here and you start doing what everybody else tells you and you don't think for yourself anymore. It doesn't say that. There's some people that would like to think that that's the way it works, you know, just be quiet and do whatever your sponsor says. And I don't think that's the role of a sponsor. You know, um, ultimately, we have to live our own lives. We have to use our own discernment, discernment about what's right for us. So I do think there's a balance. And we'll probably be talking about that more later. But yes, I definitely uh, understand the thing about wanting to do everything myself and be in control. Yeah, I like a sponsor is kind of a guide, right, through a process that to us when we're new is a, you know, very odd and new and strange and, um, you know, weird, perhaps even 
recovery process and having someone that's been that's that's a few steps further down the road to act as a guide is I had always found super helpful but yeah I mean I don't know I don't know any of us that are gonna all of a sudden do everything that we're told to do I mean everything's a suggestion right we make that pretty clear everything is a suggestion we make our own decisions about what to do or not do yeah uh, how to go about things we're free of course to make mistakes we're free to change our minds we're free to learn and do things differently and i've certainly done a lot of that um and even in recovery i mean even with working with a sponsor and and having a home group and attending meetings regularly daily even um for a long time i i still you know asking for help was something that was a slow learning process for me right and as i was saying in a way it's it's almost still my default like well i would ask for help if i need help uh i don't always do that sometimes i think i'll ask for help because this would be a lot more fun and a lot easier if i didn't you know have this idea that i have to do everything so i do that as well um with some things but I remember, you know, basically this whole idea of ask for help, what my brain certainly used to do all the time and ask for help. Why on earth would I do that? <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? You may as well have said, you know, walk around wearing a pound cake on your head. What? Why <laughs> the hell would anyone that doesn't make any sense? Yeah. No, I'm not doing that. Uh, ask for help. I don't think so. But over time, I learned that I learned how to ask for help for one Mm -hmm. thing, how to express uh, myself, you know, my experiences. And, you know, we've talked a lot about um, a a term I think we borrowed from Brene Brown, the emotional hangover that comes from Mm -hmm. sort of a a level of personal exposure, if you will, emotional exposure that's more than anything I was used to. And that can still happen some, it really doesn't happen that much anymore, but it it did for years and years and years and years Mm -hmm, and years. mm -hmm. I mean, it's one of those things that was just not all, I was not all of a sudden going to live a life as if I had always been adept at asking for help and interacting with others. No, when I begin, I begin as a child. And so I learned slowly over time. And uh, nowadays, I I do pretty well with it, meaning I don't spend a lot of time in that kind of emotional hangover state, although I know it very, very well. Mm-hmm. And I recognize it instantly. One, um, something that has helped me is when I realize this is not a problem. This is mm-hmm. just how I feel right now. Mm-hmm. This is not a problem that needs it to be solved. Nobody did anything wrong. I don't need to do something different next time. Mm -hmm. This is just how it is now. Kind of like the weather, like we talk about. Yeah, just let Um, it be. And sure, you know, it's totally understandable how I might feel this way, having just, you know, shared with a group. And nowadays with, especially with the way churches are online, I mean, everything I say 
is available to the entire world. Not that anyone in the entire world doesn't care what I'm saying, but there it is, literally recorded and on video. If I make a mistake, I'm totally busted. You know, there's no deniability involved. And it took me a long time as a regular Sunday speaker to get over that. Yeah. So, I mean, if I wasn't doing this ministry thing, I'm not sure how quite I would have gotten over it. Mm -hmm. That's not true. I would have gotten over it in the rooms of recovery by sharing with people that I know care about me, that I care about. And that was part of it also. I mean, you don't, one does not have to become a public speaker in order to uh, recover in this way, but that is part of my journey as it turns out. Yeah, I'm not big on asking for help either. Um, I badly sprained my ankle last week. And so on Sunday, I was hobbling around at church and I had to ask a couple people to do a couple things for me. You know, I asked somebody to bring me some water so that I didn't have to walk the whole length of the sanctuary and back. And when the person brought me the water, I just, I was like, thank you. I just felt like, oh, I don't, you know, I, I should be getting my own water. Like, I don't, I didn't like that, asking somebody to do that for me, you know, and probably they're probably thrilled to get water for the minister, but it was uncomfortable for me, you know, now asking my husband to do things is another story (laughs) that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Poor guy has been having to do an awful lot for me the last few days, but I am on the road to recovery. So, uh, you know, when, when, so, you know, we're talking about this loss of control and asking for help and there's a certain surrender involved in it um and i was thinking you know so we're talking about sponsorship and you know how much do you need to follow what your sponsor says and you know sometimes we just have to learn things on our own you know so like if my sponsor says (laughs) in early recovery this guy isn't good for you i don't want you to call him (laughs) I'm going to call him, you know, and I'm just going to have to learn. I'm just going to have to learn on my own. You know, I'm going to have to get hurt and go through hell. And that's what it's going to take for me. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, we make, we, we, we take the suggestions, but we all have our own path and um, it's inevitably a learning path. You know, we learn and grow from the mistakes we make just as much as we do from doing the quote unquote, you know, right or suggested things. So, you know, that's just, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I'm the same (laughs) way. I mean, that is how we learn. We learn, you know, taking action brings experience. Experience brings wisdom and wisdom guides future decisions and action. There's no way around it. It's just that, you know, perhaps for some of us, we are getting to some of these things later in life, maybe than some others or Maybe. as i've heard it said about recovery you know it's it's kind of hard to grow up in your 40s we're still growing whatever, up yep. whatever the age one is coming into it i was in my 40s yeah. when i came into recovery so yeah it is kind of hard growing up in your in your 40s well we've talked a lot about this challenge of distrust but it's time to move out of the problem and into the solution so what is the solution well in unity we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles and the spiritual principles that we have found helpful in moving out of that distrust and into joy in living is the power of faith faith in the process 
trusting the recovery process is in essence an act of faith and that's how we're going to talk about it today so michelle what does trusting the recovery process mean to you yeah so um you know, trusting the recovery process is part of it, but for me, it was a bigger, a bigger um, journey of learning to just trust life in general. And I probably trust life more now than I ever have before. Um, but and I've talked about this a lot on this program that you know this big shift I made from from feeling like I had to figure things out. I had to be in control. I had to make things happen. Um, The world was a dangerous place. I had to keep myself safe. I had to prevent bad things from happening to me to the way I live now is really trusting the process of life um, in general, trusting that things are unfolding as they should. Whatever happens, I will be okay. Whatever happens, I'm not alone. I have my higher power. Um, I trust that, you know, as long as I stay on this spiritual path and I stay engaged, that my path is always going to be a progressive one. I'm always going up, spiraling up. I'm never getting worse. I'm always growing and expanding and learning. And so whatever happens ultimately is going to be for my highest good. So that's just a whole shift that I made in the way I see the whole bigger picture of what we are doing here and what this whole thing is about. So seeing life that way allows me to just trust everything that happens, you know, just trust the whole process in general. So um, trusting the recovery process is, is part of that. And I don't think I had that at the beginning. I know I didn't have that at the beginning. That has taken time for, for that attitude and that, that framework, that way of seeing the world and seeing life for that to really become my default setting, you know, it's taken time for that to um, happen, but it's a much better way for me to live. I'm much happier that way. Just trusting that, you know, whatever happens, it's, it's ultimately going to be for my highest good and I'm going to make it be for my highest good. And that doesn't mean that it's always going to be fun. There's going to be pain. There's going to be difficult things because that's just the nature of life. You know, we don't, we don't get to, it's just the nature of life. And, um, just yeah just trusting that it's all going somewhere good but again that requires me staying engaged in the process staying on a spiritual path staying awake um continuing to you know always work for my spiritual growth yeah what comes to mind first for me about recovering uh trusting the recovery process is just listening to others you know all these things that i learned from being one of the bunch from suiting up and showing up from going to a meeting every day for, you know, we talk about in in the beginning, go to a meeting every day for 90 days. I did it for at least the first year. I don't know that I missed a day in the first year. Um, And in that process of being in those meetings, just straight up, just listening to what others were saying, paying attention, you know, feeling how, it felt as they shared their experience. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't, you know, I, I'm sure I was volunteering to help out, but that, you know, was not an essential piece of, of this element, which is uh, learning to trust the process by simply literally listening 
to others. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, when I do that, when I did that and when I do that, I recognize myself in what they're sharing. It's like, oh, yeah, that's that's exactly how that feels. I didn't Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. that other people were in the same boat. So when I start to hear things that I know to be true, that I was not hearing anywhere else in the world, Mm -hmm. that helps me to trust that this person really knows. And then that list becomes these people really do get what this is like. And so trusting the process just from listening and learning to trust others. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think like when, you know, when we first come into recovery, this is, it's all new for us. We don't know what's going on. You know, people are saying all these things and it all just seems so strange and it's such a different way of doing life. And so I think a really important part of it is just remaining open you know, allowing ourselves to be teachable and just saying, you know, okay, maybe these people do have a better idea (laughs) than I do, or maybe there is something for me to learn here. I don't have to take every single thing these people say as, you know, God's truth, but, but just being open, being willing to entertain different ideas and willing to do things in a different way. Um, there's so much to be gained from that, you know, just, just having that receptive attitude that I'm, I'm going to see what this is. I'm going to see how this works. I'm going to see if this fits me. We don't have to do any of it. Thank God. We don't have to do any of it. We don't have to adopt any of it. We don't have to believe what people say, but, but if we want to give recovery a shot, we need to have a receptivity and an openness, you know, be willing be willing and open to try some of these things out. And I agree with you that, you know, butts in chairs, ears open, you know, just listening is such a huge part of recovery. I mean, we just go to meeting after meeting after meeting and we just suck it up through the chairs. You know, we just, what is it? Butmosis or what? Asmosis. Asmosis. No, we learn recovery through the process of asmosis. (laughs) It's true. You know, you, you, you're not going to ever hear more astute, experienced people, you know, with just, just been through so many things and have such spiritual wisdom because, you know, people in recovery have been through hell and back and, and they've learned something along the way and now they're sharing it with everyone else. And, It doesn't mean you have to believe every single thing. It doesn't mean every single thing pertains to you. But over time, through osmosis, you will absorb some of the wonderful wisdom that is to be found in the rooms. Yeah, I can even be skeptical and still be learning. I mean, I can be listening to what others are saying. And some things I may be like, yeah, I know exactly what that's like. And other things I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm I'm not so sure about that. I don't know if that applies to me. That's where my brain goes. Oh, well, I'm not like that. Yeah. And then, you know, two years later, I'm like, oh, wait, I am like that. (laughs) But my point is that I can listen to others. I'm not saying or suggesting to anyone listening to us today that we blindly accept everything everybody says. I'm just saying, listen to what everybody says. Some things will make sense to me. Some things won't make sense to me. Some things may never be true for me. Yeah. Many things turn out to be true, at least to some degree, often to a substantial degree uh, to be true for me. But I can um, 
listen without kind of blindly accepting everything. Mm-hmm. I can still use my my brain. The next piece of it for me is try it for yourself. Yes. That's one thing I love about um, the unity movement. And it's one thing I teach on a regular basis in church is that I'm not asking anyone to believe any of this because I'm saying it. What I'm asking is for people to try this for themselves. Like if you don't believe or have no experience of this concept of the divine presence within you, I totally get that. I I live most of my life with no sense of that whatsoever. But what I'm asking is uh, if one is willing use the tools and follow the path and see for yourself mm-hmm. if you have that experience of the divine presence within you. I know that it's there because I have direct experience with it, but mm-hmm. just because that doesn't mean anything to anybody else who cares right. what I say. Yep. A lot of people say a lot of things, right? So yeah. try it for yourself. And that absolutely apply, applies to recovery principles as well. Yep. I mean, sometimes we you know, have to move forward, like, okay, I'm going to assume that this is true, you know, that I'm, that I'm powerless over alcohol, move move forward, um, uh, accepting an idea kind of on spec, if you will, right, and then trying it for myself, and then finding out, wow, right, this really is true, this is turning out to be exactly how it is for me, even though I wasn't so sure, when I was just hearing it from others. So we can still be skeptical. The important part is to listen and to be willing to try things for ourselves. Yeah, like we were saying at the beginning, there's a balance between listening to what others suggest and learning to find our own inner guide, which is so important. You know, we're not just to be blindly following what other people say. We're to be actively cultivating an inner guide within us, which is all part of developing a relationship with the higher power and learning to go within um, learning, you know, gaining self-awareness, getting to know ourselves better. We're cultivating that ability to take what we hear from others and check it out inside and, and begin to f- begin to find that internal GPS sort of that, which is a partnership with our higher power. It's the divinity within us that um, guides us. And we learn to follow that more and more and, and developing intuition. And we, we, you know, we do have the truth within us. We know deep inside what's best for us. It's just being able to get under the layers of, you know, uh, ego and, um, you know, programming and all the other stuff that gets in the way of us being able to hear what we call often that still small voice within, you know, and so we're, we're learning to access that place more. Um, so Which that all takes practice, right? Yes, you, you absolutely. Over and over practice and, and years of practice. That's how, and, and it's ongoing. I'm, I'm never going to be done yep. with this. This is an ongoing process. Well, let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Please stay with us. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? 
Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back indeed. We are glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. Well, prior to the break, we began by discussing uh, distrust, the distrust that we felt maybe early in the recovery process. And then we moved into talking about this principle of trusting the process, trusting the recovery process, trusting life. So now we're going to talk about how trusting the process helped us move out of that distrust into really um, a life of joy, joy in living. So I'm, I jotted some notes uh, in answer to that question. How did trusting the recovery process help me move from distrust to joy in living? And again, the first thing on my list is learn from others. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because we just talked about that a lot. And right behind that on my list was step work. So one thing I learned from others, you know, both people in the rooms but also through the literature, right, through the, those who had written uh, the literature that we read, that thinking of the, the big book, the 12 and 12, and then other things like uh, Living Sober, I found very helpful mm-hmm. um, and did more than a few um, meetings around that yeah. book. But step work is what was next on my list. So one of the things I learned from others was that it's really important to do the work, which means do the step work uh, with a sponsor, mm-hmm. right? So sponsorship goes hand in hand with that. So trusting the steps and the step work helped me um, kind of, you know, enjoy the benefits of doing the work. Yeah which I would just call joy in living. You know, we talk about being happy, joyous, and free. And I found all those things to be true. I found all of the promises to have come true. And a big part of it is from being willing to do the step work, you know, honestly and diligently. Now, notice I didn't say quickly. No. Quickly has nothing to do with it at all. And I don't think I did it quickly and I don't want to do it quickly. And it's honestly, it's easier if I don't do it quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. But trusting the recovery process by doing step work has helped me a lot to find my way to that happy, joyous and free way of living that we talk about. Yeah, I agree with you that working the steps, doing the actual work of the steps does lead to joy. And I think one of the reasons is because ultimately this is a program of, of self-awareness and of getting to know ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
And there's joy in that, you know, when we were actively using, we were probably actively trying to get away from ourselves. You know, I know I was, um, and that, you know, the more distanced we get from ourselves, the worse things get, the more we drink or use because we're so distanced from ourselves. And then that distances us more. And so ultimately this program is a program about, you know, building a new relationship with ourselves. And I think that that does bring joy. You know, I can remember even finding joy in doing my, uh, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh steps, because I was like, you know, I, I wrote down all these things. And then I was like, this is me, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but this is me. And it was that process of facing it and looking at it and enumerating it and saying, this is my stuff. Yeah, I did these things. You know, I have these flaws, but it was an owning it and a facing it and a sort of embracing all of it rather than running and trying to get away from myself. And that, that owning it and embracing myself, flaws and all did bring a lot of joy to me. And I think that it can be a joyful process. It's not all going to be joyful. It's, it's tough work, but it ultimately, we always say we did not get sober to be miserable. And that is God's truth. We got sober to be happy, joyous, and free. That doesn't mean every moment of our lives is happy, joyous, and free, but we better get to the point where a majority of it is because that's what (laughs) we got clean and sober for, you know? That's right. And I have found that to be true. It almost... I can I, I can honestly say it's true to the extent that I let it be true. Yeah, doesn't it say? I, I got to get out of my own way. Yep. Doesn't uh, it say somewhere in our I'm literature? Doesn't it say something about we absolutely insist on enjoying life? I think that's somewhere in our literature. Yeah. And that's so true, you know. Otherwise, what yeah. did we do all this for? You know, we got to be right. enjoying this journey. Yeah. One thing uh, that comes to mind for me about trusting the process and how that's helped me is that phrase that we use all the time, let go, let God. Yep. Right. It's so simple, but um, it's, it's not, it's a, it's a, it's a short phrase. It's simple idea, meaning that maybe it seems like it's easy to understand on the surface, but I find that it runs very deep because I guess mainly because of the ways where I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. It is very simple when I can do it. Yeah but I'm not always willing to let go. And sometimes I don't know what it is I need to let go of. And if I do, I don't know how sometimes to let go, but I find if I'm willing to um, just be okay with that and to still hold that as a, um, I don't want to say a goal as much as, as a way of living, Mm -hmm. let go and let God as a way of living, let go of what I let go of what I can, when I can. Yeah. And by letting go, I am kind of turning it over, as we say, turn it over to our higher power, put it in our God cam, uh, if you will. That that simple phrase as a guide or as a guiding principle has helped me a great deal move from distrust to joy in living. And, you know, we're talking about trusting the process. What I'm trusting there is that there's truth underneath let go let god i know that that's the case because i have found it to be true in my own life over and over and over again yeah so even something simple like that you know we could you and i could probably make a list of 
um, program sayings that oh, have yeah. helped a lot. I, I'm looking down at my notes. I, I jotted and I got a few more here, but there's a reason that we say those things. A, they're true. They've been true for many people. People have used these principles to recover since before I was born, since long before I was born, has this been working, right? And it works for me too, when I'm willing to show up and and allow it to, to do so. It works when I work it. Yeah. So we were talking earlier about, um, about needing to be in control of everything and um, forcing, you know, trying to force things to happen, running the show ourselves. Well, that let go and let God, that's the antidote to that. You know, that's how we begin to relinquish that. We don't let go into the nothing because that wouldn't be very fun, right? We let go because we have come to believe in a power greater than ourselves that we know is sustaining us always. So we we let go into this safety net that is the arms of spirit. Now, does that mean that when I let go, everything's going to turn out the way I want it to? Absolutely not. But again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier that I have come to believe that no matter how things go, no matter how any particular situation unfolds, I'm going to be okay. Because as the meme that I see on Facebook sometimes says, my track record for surviving things is pretty good, right? Because I'm still here. So no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. No matter what happens, I'm going to have the support of my higher power. No matter what happens, I'm not going to be alone. And no matter what happens, I believe ultimately that it is all for my highest good, my growth, my expansion, my development. So we don't just let go, you know, into nothing. We let go into all of that. And what I found that that has fostered in me is is a more of an approach to life that involves letting things unfold rather than forcing things to happen or thinking that I have to make everything happen so yes there is footwork as we say that needs to be done in you know different situations I have to be actively engaged in my life I can't just sit back on the couch and expect God to bring everything to me it doesn't work like that I need to be actively engaged in my life but then I let go and I trust that things are unfolding as they should. And really, that's just a choice. You know, it's a choice to believe that way. I've been believing yeah. that way for many, many years and it has worked well for me. Yeah. Try it for yourself. Like we were just talking about, try it for yourself and see if it works for you to live that way. See if things get easier for you, you know, see if you can relax that You know, even as I say it, just relaxing my shoulders, it's like, oh, my God, I don't have to figure it all out. I don't have to make it all happen. Um, Just letting things unfold and trusting that ultimately things are unfolding just as they should, that it's always for for our growth and expansion. Even if I don't like the thing at the time, the way... Everything that I thought was not turning out the way I wanted it to, looking back, turned out exactly the way it needed to. And it was always the best thing for me. So try it for yourself. And once that happens a few times, you start to develop that trust in the process. I don't trust it blindly. I trust it because it has been panning out for me now for some almost 27 years. So It works once again, right? It works if you work it. It works when I work it, I, I have found. 
And what do we say? You know, give it a try. If you don't like it, you know, you can always get your misery back. We'll we'll, we'll be happily refund your misery, right? If this is not going to work out for you. So another um, program saying that that comes to mind in all this for me is one day at a time. Yes. Right. That, that helps me to remember that not only do I not have to, you know, do all this right now, because there's always a part of my mind that whatever it is, I want it right now. And if something needs to be done, I want it to be done right now. I want the light to turn green right now. (laughs) You know, I want this other car to get out of my way right now. Yeah. And one day at a time just reminds me that things unfold in life, right? We talk about the the core principle of divine order, which does not mean everything's going my way. It means the universe operates in an organized fashion, whether I can see it or not, and things unfold in a particular manner that we call, or order that we call divine order. And that transpires over time. So my recovery happens one day at a time. In fact, one of the most helpful things I ever heard uh, somewhere within the first year, I'm sure I heard it many times, just the idea that my sobriety is just for today, right? It's just for today. And uh, for old timers to answer the question, how long have you been sober? The answer is really one day today. Because I don't know what's going to happen later. And it doesn't matter what happened before. I live in this day, in this moment, one day at a time. You know, I choose not to drink on this day and try not to get caught up in uh, the concepts of past and future. You know, there was a time, like many of us, in fact, I, I this might be something that I've heard this from so many people that maybe we all had this. This idea that's like, oh man, I can never drink again. And my yeah. life is like, oh my God. Like I it was mean, such a good thing, right? <laughs> I was totally, I mean, I felt exactly the same way. It's, yeah. it's we have to, you know, there's a grief process. It's like losing yeah. an old friend. Yeah. Even if it was a toxic relationship and it was killing me, still it was a familiar toxic relationship. Yes. And man, didn't we have fun back in the day? Well, those days are long gone. It was yeah. not fun yeah. by the time by the time I got to the to the end of the road. And so anyway, one one day at a time, right here and right now, I choose not to, you know, drink drug or act out in this moment on this day. And all is well. Yeah. One literally one day at a time, sometimes five minutes at a time. Yeah. One day at a time is definitely one of our better slogans. One of the most important ones. It sounds, you know, it gets used so much. It can sound trite. It can sound simplistic, but you know, this is a very high spiritual concept. Very, very high that, you know, very, very spiritual people who are much more spiritual than I um, you know, strive for, uh, to live in the present moment as much as possible. Um, this is what mindfulness practice is about, you know, and when I do my mindfulness practice, it's, (laughs) I'm just like everyone else. They say this happens to the Dalai Lama, even, you know, I'm in the present for about five seconds, you know, I'm focusing on my breath and then boom, 
thinking about what's going to happen later, you know, and then I realize it and I come back, okay, my breath, my breath. And then like, you know, maybe 10 seconds, maybe 10 seconds. And then my mind generates another thought. It's just, it's nothing to be upset about or to beat ourselves up over. It's just the way the mind works. But the practice of mindfulness can help us develop more ability to live in the present. It's all about the waking up. It's not that we're going to end up being in the present moment for extended periods. It's that we realize when we're not. That's what it's all about is realizing when we're not realizing when, oh my God, I have spent the past hour thinking about the future and I'm totally missing what's right in front of me, you know, or I'm out on this beautiful walk and all I can think about is where we're going to go for dinner. You know, I'm missing everything. It's like God is giving me this beautiful, you know, experience and I'm missing it because I'm thinking about. I left my phone in the car and I want to take a picture. I mean, it's just insane. It's like, I feel like God is going, wake up, wake up. It's all right in front of you and you're missing it. And so this is not something that I think we ever learn to do perfectly. This is a practice. This is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual practice of waking up over and over again and realizing that I've been in, I've been thinking about the past. I've been obsessing about the future and I'm missing the life that is right in front of me. Um, And so just, you know, just having the more times we wake up, the more we wake up, you know, and we find that we have more and more of those moments of, um, of being in the present moment. And that is truly where joy in living is. You know, I can feel myself when I sit down to do my practice and there's that moment of dropping into the present moment when I like just shed everything that's going on. Like I say, I don't get too, you know, I don't get like real extended periods, but when I first drop into that place, a smile comes to my mouth. I know I like involuntarily, like I feel this grin come into my face because it's like, oh, yeah, this is where the joy is at. The joy is in this moment right now. What is happening in front of me? This cat sitting in my lap, this beautiful view in front of me, this yummy cup of coffee. That's the joy. And if we're out there in the future or in the past, we're missing all of it. Yeah, right here and right now. Absolutely. And and I agree. You would use the example of the Dalai Lama. I mean, I don't care how long someone's been practicing this. Um, I believe that we're all a beginner. Every time we sit, we're a beginner. In fact, I had a teacher say that to me. This is someone that had been doing a daily practice 25 or 30 years by the time I met him. And I made the comment about how, yeah, man, I, you know, I just feel like such a beginner. And his response was, everyone is a beginner. Every time we sit, every single person, every single time and as you shared that i realized that i have practiced this enough that i can do it i can do it on demand but i don't Mm. like what is up with that and i don't mean just you know each morning for five minutes that's not what i'm talking about i mean i know how to do this but my mind distracts me from it i forget how profound it is which sounds ridiculous. How could you forget that? Well, so simple. <laughs> trust me, it's very, very easy to forget. And it is because our mind is so busy and 
and the world is so mesmerizing and I'm almost most of the time I apparently am convinced that that's what life is mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff even yep. though I know better I've experienced yep. otherwise I do keep returning to it which is the upside of yep. all of this and as you were saying I don't have to spend even the majority of my time in the present moment with practice. I know that I can do it more and more so, Mm -hmm. but the, the point is not, as we say, the point is not perfection. The point is not to have a score. Like how many of my 24 hours was I in the present moment? That's my score. And I'm trying to raise my score. It's not that at all. In fact, that's completely contrary. Right. Because when I'm in the present moment, I could care less about anything like score. You know, score is my ego's way of exactly. comparing, yes. you know, who's better than who, what, who's on time, who's late. You know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, older kids had more privileges. They could stay up late. They could watch shows that I wasn't allowed to watch. This idea of that we're all ranked somehow, I got that in my head early mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And it's everywhere in the mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. Um, ranking, ranking by income, by age, by, you know, skill level um, at anything that, that we do. That's all ego mind stuff. That's yeah. all thinking mind stuff. Present moment experience, uh, all that falls away. And I, and I realize it for the emptiness that it truly is. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, even though. I know how to do this, even though I have done it, even though I can do it practically on demand, I still, it's not mm-hmm. like I'm living my entire life in the present moment. Yeah. So, so this, if you're listening and that's your experience too, hey, you're in good company Yeah. With all the rest of us humans. Well, it's the human experience. That is the human experience is this, you know, what we teach in unity is this tension that exists all the time between our ego or material selves and our spiritual selves. And what I think uh, a gentleman that we both love very much, Robert Brummett, calls the double vision, that we need to move through this life as both spiritual beings and human beings, not issuing one or the other, but fully embracing both of them as our way shower Jesus did, fully embraced both his humanity and his divinity. And so that we're sort of walking with one foot in each world, you know, and that's, that's the walk is, uh, you know, being, yeah. That is it. That's the trick. I'm so glad you said that. A foot in each world. And that's the goal. Yep. And if we find that we're out of balance one way or the other, fine. Come back into balance. It's as easy as recognizing it once we've had some experience with it. And yeah, Robert Brummett, dear, just a wonderful, wonderful teacher and friend. Well, we've said a whole lot about this topic. So let's step way back if we can and see if we can find a concise way to sum it up. Or in other words, of all that we have said, what's the kind of top three, if you will, or top four items if somebody asks you? Uh, and said to you, you know, hey, help me here. In a nutshell, I'm having trouble trusting the recovery process. I'm not sure it's for me. Yeah. What do you suggest? Well, okay. So the one day at a time thing really comes into play because one day at a time, just give it a try. Just try out some of these things that are being suggested to you. You don't have to say, I'm going to do this every day for the rest of my life. I'm going to try this today. Um, You know, the things that are suggested to you 
just have an openness to them. It doesn't mean you accept everything blindly or do everything that someone says. Have an openness. We talked about that beginner's mind. Every time we come to the process, it's beginner's mind. That's how we move through life with an openness and a willingness to be receptive and and try things out. Take it inside. Check it inside. See if it resonates for you. See if it works for you. But give it a good try. Don't just be like, ah, this doesn't work. You know, you got to really give things a try. Um, suspend that skepticism that you have for a while and allow yourself to be teachable. You know, believe that these people in these rooms, they're not infallible. They're, they're fallible human beings, just like every one of us, but they have a wealth of wisdom. So just be teachable and see what you can learn. Yeah. My, what comes to mind for me, same, my very first idea, same as yours, give it a try, yeah. you know, be, be open-minded. We talk about how does this work? H O W how, be honest, open-minded, and willing, at least enough to see how it goes. You know, try it for a couple of months or just try it, you know, each morning resolve to try it for that day. Yeah. Uh, talk to others is something that I found super helpful. The mm-hmm. easiest way to do that is just go to meetings. You know, join a home group, be, become known there because you keep showing up, um, become known. And then we, as we say, don't quit before the miracle. Yes. And the other piece of don't quit before the miracle is expect a miracle. Yes. Right. Because if we expect a miracle, we will receive a miracle. And and as you pointed out, it's like, um, you know, people say, if you go to the gym and work out, you'll, you'll feel a lot better. It's like, oh man, I went there. All I was was sore the next day and I weighed more. (laughs) This is a bunch of crap. It doesn't work. You know, it's it's like that. You can't just do it once. Time takes time. We have an affirmation to wrap all of this up for you today. And our beautiful affirmation today is I trust God and allow the beauty of recovery to unfold in and through me. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I trust God and allow the beauty of recovery to unfold in and through me. I might even add around. (laughs) Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful that you have. We hope you have found something in all of our chin wagging today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your recovery. That's why we do this. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our discussion. And thanks to you all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Yes, we do. And listeners, don't forget, you can connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. You can drop us your thoughts and comments and feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals, and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast, hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, 
all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.